This is the third in a series of podcasts introducing some of the big ideas from CBT and how they can help with low mood and depression. Before I begin, if you haven't listened to the previous two, I'd recommend pausing for now and doing that first as they set the scene for what I'm going to talk about here. Assuming you have, you may remember me introducing the concept of rules for living. In this podcast, we're going to dive deeper into this, looking at ways to pinpoint your own rules and to break free of the ones that are getting in the way of feeling and functioning better. We can think of rules for living as implicit guiding principles, expectations we have for ourselves. Typically, they're not all that transparent to us. Instead, they're embodied in our decisions, thought processes and self-perceptions. As with all rules, they have a directive to them. They tell us what we should and shouldn't do. Rules for living develop as a result of our prior experiences, including what has been communicated to us or modelled within the family and at school, what brought us attention and affection, or the reverse, what brought us criticism, hostility, what helped us cope in difficult circumstances. The theory is that we develop rules for living as a way of navigating life's challenges, protecting us from the myriad pitfalls it may have in store. As long as we stick to our rules, we're safe. Let's think about how that might work in the context of day-to-day life as a student. Here in Oxford, I see a lot of students who find themselves either consumed by work, struggling to close the book literally and mentally, or else doing everything they can to avoid it. In both cases, what's often behind this is some rule for living along the lines of my work should be perfect, or I must never let my standards slip. We all have lots of rules for how to behave in friendships and relationships too. Perhaps you're someone who's always thinking of others, always does their utmost to be helpful, even to the point of neglecting your own needs. In this example, we might imagine some variant of the rule, I must please people all the time. Or what about someone who tends to back away from intimacy, pushes away those who want to help? Their rule might be something like, I must be self-sufficient, I mustn't get too close or dependent on others. Now, it's important to note that there's much that's positive in these rules. High academic standards have no doubt got you where you are now and are something to cherish and something you want to maintain. Similarly, there is a kernel of kindness and generosity in the people pleaser. And there are things to be said for nurturing a capacity for independence too. But these sorts of rules also have a problematic side to them. What we also need to attend to here is the unwritten threat attached to them, the or else. I must never let my standards slip or else I'm a failure. I must please people all the time or else I'll be rejected. I must be self-sufficient or else I'll lose control or get hurt. Beneath the rules is a lurking fear. As in these examples, fears relating to approval acceptance and control are particularly common. Now these are big universal fears which we all do our best to manage in our own ways but our personal histories and the social context in which we live can make us particularly sensitized to certain fears. If you've known what it is to feel out of control it becomes vital to develop strategies to maintain a sense of control. If you've been made to feel inadequate you'll find ways to prove that you're good enough. In a second podcast, I mentioned the CBT concept of core beliefs, our deep lurking fears about ourselves and the world around us. 
rules for living are ways of defending against our core beliefs, protective strategies if you like. The problem is, often they maintain pretty relentlessly exacting standards for us. Psychologist Margaret Rutherford Robinson coined the term perfectly hidden depression to describe ways in which perfectionism, underpinned by very rigid rules for living, can become a trap, leaving you constantly trying to dodge the inner critic and struggling to express or connect with your true feelings. Inevitably, too, there will be times when you can't maintain your standards, when you find yourself breaking your own rules. And it's at these times that we're most vulnerable to low mood and sometimes depression. What happens then is that these background rules and beliefs start to skew your thinking, leading you to selectively attend to things that seem to confirm your negative ideas about yourself and filter out evidence to the contrary. Someone who sets themselves very high standards, for example, and has fears about their competence and adequacy might find it difficult to really trust their strengths and achievements. Oh, I only did well in my collections because it was stuff I'd learned already at A-level. It must have been a total fluke I got into Oxford at all. So that's the theory bit. In the rest of this podcast, I'm going to suggest some ways of using these ideas to improve your mood and resilience. Step one. Identify your rules. Now, this is easier said than done. Your rules have been a kind of backdrop to your life for many years. They feel as familiar and normal to you as old shoes. Here are some questions to ask yourself. Are there particular themes to your negative thoughts? Worries that really preoccupy you? Triggers that really bring you down? Are there things you seem to respond to in a disproportionate way compared to others? Noticing when you're more prone to worrying or beating yourself up can give you clues as to your rules for living and the fears underpinning them. Other questions to ask yourself. What's my relationship with work? How do I navigate intimacy? What do I secretly long for? What messages did I receive growing up, implicitly or explicitly, from family, peers, the society in which I live? Accompanying this podcast is a list of some common student rules for living. Looking at this might help you to reflect on which feel relevant to you. It's a good idea to actually have a go at writing down what you think your rules for living might be. Spend some time on this and try to really find the words that accurately capture your own feelings and experience. Step two, think about where your rules came from. Once you've pinpointed a rule, it's often worth giving some thought to where it might have come from. What are the rules within your family, within the society and culture within which you grew up? If you've had experiences that stand out as especially traumatic for you, it's possible these experiences may have been encoded as rules for living. Thinking about this can help you to understand why your rules make sense or made sense at one time. If you grew up in an environment where praise and attention were conditional on doing well, it's understandable you might develop high expectations for yourself. If you had experiences of rejection or alienation at school, that might help to explain why you feel you must work so hard to keep friendships intact. Understanding that there are good reasons why you think the way you do can help to avoid falling into self-blame and is an important step in cultivating a capacity for self-compassion. Step three, weigh up the pros and cons. Many of our rules serve us well and would be ones we're quite happy to hang on to. As I mentioned above, 
Even the more problematic ones often have a positive element to them. Loosening ourselves from their grip can also feel pretty risky. If working at 100 miles an hour has meant you've always excelled academically, what might happen if you took your foot off the pedal? If you've not allowed yourself to try new things for fear of failure, what would it be like to risk it? One useful technique is to quite literally weigh up the pros and cons of your rule. In what ways does it serve you well? In what ways does it limit you? Going to university brings with it a whole set of new experiences, opportunities and challenges. In new territory, we can often resort to the familiar, falling back on rules that have worked for us in the past. But perhaps some of your rules need updating. Step four, experiment with change. This is the hard bit. You've pinpointed a rule, you're convinced it needs updating, but it's not just as simple as creating a new one, is it? After all, these rules have been laying down over the years. They're etched into your neural networks. And at this point, I really want to stress that all of this, identifying rules for living, weighing them up, experimenting with change, is difficult stuff and it takes time and practice. Often it's a process people go through with the help of a counsellor. And I'll remind you that option is available to you here in Oxford. If you'd like to experiment on your own, have a go at rewriting your rules. Ask yourself what a more flexible, compassionate version might look like. For example, not I must never let my standards slip, but I try to aim high, but a perfect track record is impossible. Mistakes are inevitable and part of learning. Or not I must always put other people first, but it's important for me to be in tune to other people's feelings and needs. But in order to do this sustainably, I need to nourish and nurture myself too. As in these examples, the alternatives are usually longer and more complex, and for good reason. Life is more complex than the rules for living would have us believe. Once you've got an alternative rule in mind, try experimenting with it in ways that feel manageable. Allow yourself to clock off work a little earlier one day. See what happens if you don't over-prepare for your tutorial or don't check through your essay. Allow yourself to risk making a mistake. Invite yourself to open up a bit more with a friend you trust. Take a moment to congratulate yourself on an achievement. Treat yourself. These are all examples, of course. You'll find your own mini-experiments. And thinking of them as experiments is often quite a good way of going about things. There will be part of you that resists the change, that doesn't want to break the rules. Ask yourself what this part of you is predicting will happen, and then compare it with what happens in actuality. Making changes to habitual behaviours is often one of the most powerful ways of challenging your untested assumptions. After all, if you're always playing by the rules, you never get a chance to find out whether you really need them and what life might be like without them. One thing that can also be helpful here is to remind yourself of your values and the importance of a balance in which we can get in touch with our multiple needs, roles and identities. Think of this not as saying no to your rule, but as saying yes to something else that's important to you. Now don't forget, this is a process. Your rules won't change overnight and it's not your fault when they hook you in, as they will, again and again. I like to picture a well-trodden path through a wood. It's the obvious way to go, right? Striking out on a new path feels weird underfoot, treacherous at times, 
And even once you've made it through, the way back isn't at all clear. But the more you walk that new path, the clearer it becomes. The old one is still there, and you will go down it sometimes, but you've created another option for yourself. That brings us to the end of this podcast. As ever, to find out more, head to our website where you can see lots of good CBT resources and recommendations. For those who particularly struggle with perfectionism in the context of low mood, I've popped a couple of references at the end of the transcript too. And now I'm going to practice what I preach and not check over the podcast for mumbles and fumbles. I wish you well and thanks for listening.